It's the same old story. It's been a long day at the job, or maybe it's just starting to feel long, and you feel that urge to stretch your legs and get a little bit of a break. You walk down the street, or maybe you get behind the wheel of your car, and you feel the weight begin to lift. You walk through the doors, and the sound of the place starts to clear the air. You get a table, you order your drink, you listen to the sounds of the bar, and soak in the conversation. Welcome to the TNE Speakeasy with your hosts, Caleb and Eric. Listen in as they discuss a variety of topics, such as the Rocky IV Director's Cut, our differing thoughts on horror movies, and Cobra Kai. That's what I was gonna say. Uh, by Saturday, I should have the 4K Killers Kiss and the Killers. By Saturday. Oh, cool! Looking forward to that. And um, they already have the pre-order out for Paths of Glory now as well. The 4K. Oh, there we go. There's Killers Kiss. Wow. Can't you order from the U.S. store? Because I mean, I used to order from the Canadian store all the time myself. I can, but the shipping's usually just way overpriced, so I usually don't try to order from there unless I have to. Ours is more, but it's not its not ridiculous like to ship from Canada. It's also not ridiculous to ship from the UK either. Oh, yeah. UK is cheap. Like, which, which blows my mind. Um, yeah, when I started, uh, when all the Doctor Who DVDs started going out of print and I was in a rush to, rush to buy them, it was way more expensive to buy them from the US, even though sometimes the prices were lower. Just the shipping is just crazy. Oh, absolutely, from the US. So I'd have to get them all from the UK. Do you know how I got my hand on the war games? The one that I have that's still in its cellophane. So <laughs> it had already gone out of print. The prices had already gone insane already. And I was like, damn it. How am I going to get the war games? Because without spending $85. Um, and especially a US version. Because this is before I started buying British versions. Um, mm. And I had a brilliant idea. Because... Warner Brothers at the time had the distribution rights for the Doctor Who DVDs. I went to the Warner Brothers website and store and they had all these Doctor Who DVDs at normal prices. Oh wow. So <laughs> so they had the War Games in stock and it was at traditional price. And this is like way after the markups. And so yeah, that was my stroke of brilliance. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, I think the most I spent I think I spent $120 on Battlefield because I was like I don't mind buying the UK discs for any other doctor, but I've got every other McCoy episode in the regular version. I'm like I just I, I have to buy the regular version for Battlefield. So I spent $120. <laughs> to me it was well worth it to spend something like $30 to get the UK um uh doctor who movie on blu-ray uh mm. that was totally worth it i mean it's a, it's a mild upgrade but it's still an upgrade uh on the picture quality compared to the dvd yeah i consider picking that up but i just don't care about that movie at all i just remember it because i remember 
they, they spoke about this on the RFS once. At the time on U.S. television, like UPN and and CW and things like that were like brand new. I think it was probably UPN. It was like a brand new network station in America, and they had this thing that they called the Action Pack, and it was going to be like a TV movie of the week. And the first one was like a martial arts movie, uh, and and then they're like, we're going to do a sci-fi one. And I was like, what's it going to be? And it said Doctor Who, and I was like, what the fuck? It's going to be Doctor Who? Get the fuck out of here. And so then I watched it, and it was, of course, the Doctor Who movie. And I was like, this is fucking unreal. Like, where did this come from? So I literally remember, like, seeing the TV ads, anticipating it, watching it. Mm. And so there's, like, this nostalgia to it because of that. It was, like, it was completely mind-blowing in 96. I was like, this is no fucking way. Doctor Who, American television, no shit. Uh, Yeah, that'd make a big difference. Absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. I wonder what ever happened to those other movies. Because they only did like three um, of that action pack or whatever they called it. (laughs) Probably just a big failure for them. Yeah. Anyway. I finished Doctor Sleep a week ago. I was underwhelmed. It wasn't bad. It was just like, meh. Oh, really? It was just like, eh. That's too bad. And while there was some intense moments, it almost didn't feel like a horror to me. Just like, I don't know, Poltergeist is scary, but sometimes it doesn't even feel like a horror. I don't know how to explain that. but No, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, Poltergeist, Poltergeist seems more like, uh, I guess it's kind of in the Gremlins line of horror, where it's like in that genre, but... Apart from like one or two scenes, it's not really a, a real scary movie type of thing. It feels more like it's for a younger audience. Right, but Doctor Sleep is not for a younger audience. It just feels like it just feels like a movie, <laughs> except for certain parts. Um, it just feels like the characters are going through something. Um, I don't know. Kind of like Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the series, or Charmed is not a horror. You know what I mean? <laughs> And I'm not saying Dr. Sleep is funny yeah. or anything. It just, it's just stuff happens. <laughs> oh, that's interesting. That's a pretty long movie too, right? Dr. Sleep? almost. It is. And it could have been shorter. And it's, and it's weird. Like if you buy the disc, well, you get the, if you buy the four, it, you get the, the theatrical version on disc, but then you can you get the digital copy, which is the director's cut, which is a lot longer. Oh, wow. But <laughs> the regular version already feels long. But then the longer version like, supposedly fleshes out the characters more. But then on the other hand, who cares? Like, I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. Mm. <laughs> um, have you seen all the Rocky movies? Uh, no. No, I haven't. I've never seen Rocky Balboa. Oh, that's a good one. And I think that's it. I don't know if I've seen... Uh, I've seen them all on TV, all the other ones, before that movie came out, but that was so long ago i might might as well have not seen him so for part four the director's cut had come out last year i didn't really know i wasn't paying attention but i just watched it for the first time holy smokes that's one of those movies like when it comes to director's cut kind of like aliens like it's really different um it's really really different and it was done by sylvester stallone Wow, it's one of the most dramatic differences I've ever seen, like in a movie versus this director's cut. Mm. 
because he puts in a lot of footage that was cut from the original. So you get these a bunch of scenes that you've never seen before with the characters interacting. Um, he takes out all the goofy stuff, which I didn't even realize how much goofy stuff was in the original. Um, and he just makes the movie like super serious. It's it's much more like dramatic, or, or like a drama, but it's not perfect though. See, I feel like it's it's like Blade Runner. They need to have like an ultimate final cut to get the best of both worlds, because uh. because of these inserted deleted scenes, it gives a weird flow to the movie, in my opinion. And it reminded me of like um, Game of Death. Have you seen that? No, but. I don't know if you know the backstory of Game of Death, but it was the movie Bruce Lee was working on when he passed, and they had only shot like a third of the movie. So years after his death, they went back and they used a stand-in actor and like dubbing to try to complete the movie. So for like two-thirds of it, you only see Bruce Lee from behind or whatever or off-screen and like someone's voicing his lines. And it's, it's so, um, it's almost macabre. I mean, because, <laughs> because you can tell it, like they've cobbled together a movie out of like incomplete parts. And that's how the, the Rocky four director's cut. It feels like it was, cause there's some weird transitions. And so it feels like they didn't have all the footage they wanted. And they just kind of like Frankenstein a movie, even though it's, it's good just has a weird flow yeah that's weird and i think they also reduced the the score like there's less of the sylvestri score which that movie is kind of famous for one of these days we'll get to discovery season four i don't know when that'll be oh fucking oh i hate it so much <laughs> oh well, I'm sure if Kat was here, she'd be like, I don't know how you like Enterprise any in any bit at all. It's like Discovery's lover and Enterprise. I'm sure she would. Yeah, but I... And once again, the way everyone... It's the same thing that happened with uh, um, Exorcist 2. Is the same thing that happened with Enterprise. Is the same thing that happened with Skyline. Is that I temper my statements, but people just like to run away with them in with... Like, like interpreting it differently. Everyone likes to run away with it. Like, I love Skyline. I love Exorcist 2. I love Enterprise. No, like, there's things I appreciate about those things in context. I don't think they're the most amazing thing ever, though. And they're they're each flawed in their own way. But, but for some reason, I just freaking love them. Or at least that's what everybody else says. <laughs> Well, that's that's fair. That's fair. Yeah, I remember on the uh, back on the the turd off, they'd always mention like, "Oh, Eric, you know he loves these Transformers films. These Transformer films are terrible." That's that's always like, ah, it doesn't sound like that's what he's saying. It doesn't sound like he loves them. But oh man, I'm excited for the new one. It was just by complete happenstance that I happened to Google it because I was looking up something else. Um. And then I was like, what? It comes out next summer? And I read the premise. I am completely blown away by that premise. I don't know. Did you see what the premise was? or? Um, I did, but it's been a while since I looked at it. It was probably around 
Uh, I don't know when. <laughs> a, a little while ago when I looked at it, at least. But it does look cool. So, according to Wikipedia, why is there something to see of it? Because I only read a description. Uh, just, just the concept. Just the concept. And, and the fact that it's a sequel to that other one. It's so surprising to me what I read on Wikipedia. So, it, I guess it takes place in the early, mid-90s. But it's going to somehow incorporate Beast Wars. And that is just shocking. Be- Did you ever watch Beast Wars? Nope. It was kind of like the Clone Wars series of Transformers. Like, like the, the, the regular animated daily cartoons were more for kids. And like, Beast Wars was like, yeah, a kid could watch it. But it would take an adult to understand it. And and especially because it was very based upon like arcs. Like it, it had story arcs for the season. Like in a time when kid shows didn't have story arcs like that. You know what I mean? So it was like it was like made for an older audience, um, conceptually. And and it's it's so its own weird unique thing and to somehow incorporate that in the live action universe that is just who would ever think such a thing like so bizarre i don't even know how they're gonna do it like i really don't know how they're gonna do it yeah i'm hoping that one'll be good well i freaking love bumblebee turn things around because even though yeah i'm not quite there i i think bumblebee was definitely much better but um yeah, still not like a, a great movie, I don't think. But it's definitely much better than the Michael Bay one. It's not going to be in a thousand one movies. It's not going to be in that book or anything. Yeah. But for someone who's a Transformer fan and wants and doesn't want the franchise to die completely, it's the best thing they could have ever done. And yeah, and like everybody else, I wanted Michael Bay to go certainly after the third one. Yeah. Sad that uh, Haley Steinfeld won't be in it. Who knows, maybe it'll be a secret cameo. But I am just such a huge fan of her. A movie I'd like to see, actually, you mentioned the 80s. I'd like to see that 80s version of, uh, is it Return of the Living Dead? Yeah, yeah, Return of the Living Dead. I'd like to watch that. I never properly watched that either, similar to The Blob. Yeah, there's this other one I was thinking about called Night of the Creeps. And I was also thinking about James Gunn uh, Slither. This film from uh, like 2006. Another kind of horror comedy. No idea what Night of the Creeps is. Never heard of it. Yeah, I don't think that one got much play until uh, like when it got its like re-release on DVD. I think is when a lot of people rediscovered it. Or The Gate. That's something I actually saw in the theater, amazingly. Oh, wow. Wow. But Yeah, I've not seen The Gate in a long time. That's because the commercial back in the day. I would see all these movie commercials in those days. And the mo- if the movie commercial looks cool, I want to see it. And that, that totally fell into that category. Yeah, no, that is a cool movie. Yeah, sadly, I'm more familiar with Gate 2, since that's the only one I've ever owned on home video. So I've seen that a bunch of times. Oh, boy. I don't think I know that one. Yeah, that's one of those so-bad-it's-good movies. Gate 2. Yeah, I hear that. I haven't seen Troll 2, either. I was thinking about breaking out one of the trolls, but I thought that Isaac might get pissed off if I do that. Because <laughs> I know he wants to talk about those two movies. I like both of them. But Troll 1's actually kind of fun. Troll 2 is just, just complete crap. I don't know, man. I don't mind watching these horror movies. I just 
I don't know. They, I don't know why they don't do it for me. Yeah, some of them grab you. Like I was, uh, I was actually looking because I was like, hey, wasn't that Exorcist reboot supposed to come out this year? But I guess because of Halloween ends, it got uh, pushed back. So the Exorcist reboot's coming out next year instead, because it's by the same creative team. So I have to rope in you and Sean for uh, for that whenever that comes out. Oh boy. And it's not really a horror movie, but uh, the Invisible Man, the one that came out in 2019. Oh yeah. I hmm. think I think that movie is complete and utter garbage. Oh wow. And I guess Sean thinks it's really really good. Me too. Oh my god, I think that movie is fucking garbage. In recent in recent times, that was like the most angry I've ever been in a movie theater. Angry and dissatisfied. Do you remember any of the reasons or? Yeah. So I guess that was a while ago now. Well, there was many things that bothered me, but the, one of the biggest was it felt to me like a student film that was shot in 4K on iPhone. I hated the look of the movie. Um, it, it, yeah, it, it literally felt like it was shot on an iPhone in 4K, and that made it seem so cheap. I felt like I was watching a straight-to-video movie like on the big screen and I hated it and I just thought the story was completely stupid I hated the heroine I hated the the um the the villain it's it was woke as fuck (laughs) story-wise was it woke was it woke yes it was yes it was no how so well the whole movie was about like female trauma induced by toxic masculinity well that's not quite the... Uh... On its own, that's not necessarily wrong, because I guess there's so many ways you could do that, and it'd be perfectly fine. But the way it was done in that movie just felt way too two-dimensional and on its sleeve. There was no nuance about it. And then, coupled with the fact that like it was shot on the iPhone, that's why it just seemed like garbage to me. Like It just seemed like a, like a college um, film student production that would get high marks by the teacher, but like... And the fact that... I guess a certain group embraced it. I was like, fuck no. Oh, man. I fucking hated that movie. Yeah, horror fans. Horror fans loved it. <sighs> I hated that movie. Yeah, it was all over my horror groups. I thought it was great, too. I thought it was really well done. See, Hereditary, I don't love that movie. I saw the movies. I know a lot of people really, really like it. But see, I can I can wrap my head around that and be okay with it. Like, I can totally understand... How people could be into hereditary. But Invisible Man just perplexes me that people could be so into that. Yeah, and I like the metaphor too with, because uh, he, he was like this, the guy, the abusive partner had like this perfect reputation. And so like there was like this hidden side of him and that was kind of the Invisible Man part, the abuser and controller. Like I thought that all worked really well. And I thought it actually looked quite well as well. I thought it looked good. That's an interesting concept, I suppose, but... I guess I could have appreciated it done by a completely different person and a completely different crew. And and somebody else could have done the same story and I could have but in a different way and I could have appreciated it. But in the way it was done, not for me in any way. I'm also a big Invisible Man fan, so I was very much looking forward to that. I loved that original movie and I quite like the book too. So so I was really looking forward to it. And I don't know if it's what is it called when you mix like an actor's fictional persona with like the real person i'm sure there's like a term for that where you can't we have trouble separating the real person from the character but Mm. i think another issue for me is whatever her name is the one who's the heroine in the movie so i love mad men 
And in Mad Men, in the beginning of the series, you know, she's relatively unknown at those days, you know. And she played, like, the perfect... She was, like, the every girl. Like, just regular, plain Jane kind of girl. That's what her character was. But over the course of the show, she is, like... She becomes, like, this career woman. Which, there's nothing wrong with that. But in the show, when she eventually starts working her way up the ladder and starts becoming something, she, uh... Her character gets kind of full of herself and gets kind of like weirdly egotistical, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And so she became very unlikable um, as her character morphed over the years. And then for some reason, I feel like I associate that with the actress herself. That (laughs) I liked her when I liked her when she was like an unknown, fresh face. But then I feel like she got high on the Mad Men fame. And that she's just this, now she's like this, in anything she's in, it's like, oh, fuck, we gotta take it so fucking serious, because she's in it. And I, I don't know, I feel that, and it, it, now it taints everything I see her in. And I don't know how much of it is just because that's what her character did on the show, but I, like, intermixed those two people, and that's another hit for me. Yeah, and I'm, I'm just not a particular fan of her as an actress in almost everything I've seen her, and I thought she was just not particularly good but i thought she turned in a much better performance in the invisible man than some of the other stuff like i remember when she was in us and i thought she was really distracting in that like something about her i can't even remember i saw that movie i can't even remember and that yeah there was just something about her character that just felt so disingenuous just the way she played it though it's like uh and then us and i think she's quite bad in the handmaid's tale i think she's really bad in that show i haven't watched enough of that to really judge it but us even though that's another woke as fuck movie is it though that being said I th- oh it is but that being said i thought it was okay it was it was all right it's just that's but it, it gave me the feeling that a lot of newer horror movies especially give me which is even if i think they're okay it still feels like it, it could just be like a random episode of some uh, anthology series on netflix or or prime you know what i mean like yeah like, 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 I love Black Mirror. And some episodes are excellent, and some are just like, oh, that one was okay. And Us, like, just felt like an okay episode of Black Mirror. But I don't want to go to the movies to watch an okay episode of Black Mirror. Yeah, no, yeah. I was thinking maybe uh, Jordan Peele was already thinking about his Twilight Zone series when he was making that. And just, like, stretched out an episode way too long. But I am curious. Whoa, in what way is that movie woke now now? Is it just because it's a political movie? It's I mean, because I... of the message. It's and similar, similar to, no, but see, it's a combination. See, that's why I don't of, get woke. Nah, it's not. It's not that complicated for all these different things. With all these different um, properties, it's similar. It sounds pretty complicated. No, it's not. I'll say. Uh, I'll just say this. Since since I was editing uh, one of those Strange New Worlds episodes recently, in it talking about. Uh, Oh, I don't remember what you were talking about, but you were talking about what, what woke means to you. And you're like, woke's when they do it badly. When they do political messages badly, that's woke. Yes. And I was like, well, that seems so subjective. Like, isn't that mean that woke can be different things to different people? Like, it doesn't sound like it really... No, it's not... Well, I mean, to a certain degree, it's subjective. To a certain extent. But, but no, but the reason I say that, and I was about to say that again in different words, because that's the most simplest way I could distill it. That's like, 
distilling it down to like its most simple basic it's like the difference between good sci-fi and bad sci-fi because because me and carl talked about this a million times over the years like good sci-fi is where it's a well-done smart allegory of something going on in our world today you know and 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 that, those are the good episodes of TOS or Twilight Zone, where it makes like you you're in this fantastical setting, but then you go, huh? So I see what they're saying. Like they're they're taking this issue um, in our real world now, and they're flipping it on its head in an interesting way. And by the way, there is an episode of the new season of the Orville, which is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. In other words, it takes a super woke topic, but it turns it on its head, which makes it amazing sci-fi. So there's this one episode, well, there's probably more than one, actually, of this new season of Warworld that is 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 the opposite of woke. Because it's tackling a real-day situation, but in a really interesting, smart, intellectual way that makes you... And you, this is how you know they did it right. It's because when you watch one of these episodes of something with this good allegory, it makes you inflict. It, it makes you be conflicted about the issue, um, and it makes you like makes you question what you think is right or wrong. Because, in other words, like okay, okay. So let's just say abortion, and we could pick any topic. And you got people who are pro life and they're pro choice. Good sci fi or good whatever. Um, after the after people watch it, it would cause people who are both pro-choice and pro-life to question their position on both sides of the aisle. Something that was good. But bad woke or typical woke, which is bad, it's just gonna play to one side straight up. You know what I mean? So people who are well. pro-choice are just gonna go, Woo, that was amazing because it was pro-choice. And people who are pro-life are gonna be like, fuck, that's garbage. See that's woke because it, it only appeals to one side because it's it's not it's not nuanced it's not it's it's just it's it's bare like it's just it's it's just you know what I mean it's just it just it's it panders to the audience it it uh it um preaches to the choir but good stuff that t- good sci-fi like I said it it causes you to question your side on both sides and that's what I feel like. A couple of the episodes of Orville do in the most recent season, they hit some really big topics, and you could be on either side of the aisle, and, and you'll be like, "Wait a second, am I right? Is the other side right? Wait, who's right?" Because it, it flips it, and so that's why us and like the Invisible Man—it's so one-sided, it's so transparent. No pun intended. It's just like a waste of time. Well, would you say that about uh, the original Planet of the Apes? Because the original Planet of the Apes has no nuance. It's one side's right. There's even courtroom scenes where the lead character is just preachifying about how right his side is, how wrong the other side is. There's that is not a nuanced movie, but it's still a great piece of science fiction. No, see that? No, no, no. That's a no, that's a good one. That's a good one. Um, no, that one's good. That one's good because. Because it takes it a, it takes it a, a while for it to sink in as you're watching the movie, and then to really start questioning your own beliefs. Because see that that was, see that's a difficult one, but in a good way. But that's what I'm talking about. The fact that it's difficult means that it's good. 
because you got to sit down and think about it and like talk about it and hash it out. That's that's obviously like really good in in, in it's woke. Oh, see, that's why. Again, originally woke was like a um, a positive term initially um, when I first started hearing it because it meant you're opening your eyes and seeing what's really there. But then it changed into blindly like just going along with whatever. Um, so, so the original Planet of the Apes would work, but you could call it woke from the original definition of woke, but it wouldn't be woke by the definition that we understand it now as it's morphed over the years, the term. I don't know what the what you would call that. Yeah, and I know that uh, it was controversial at the time because, you know, there's the, the, the kind of the main message is like, how many years have these religious people like hidden real science from us? I mean, the whole, like the science authority is a religious authority at the same time and they're restricting all questions yes i mean that's it's very yes and see woke is not challenging see that's the what's that's the irony of modern woke is see that planet of the apes was challenging at the time and a lot of the good tos episodes were challenging at the time in that culture of the time but the modern woke stuff is not challenging at all it's it's pandering and in oh. like flaccid yeah except uh those movies still get banned in places uh, studios like disney are still worried about having like lead characters that are gay necessarily or have that kind of stuff fully displayed like it's still got its red lines in in the hollywood machine so and there's still viewers who'll be like i refuse to see this because it goes against my moral beliefs there are people who feel that way but i i think that i think they're a minority in the grand scheme of things because again if you do it right like fuck man i had another good there, you said planet of the apes you distracted me because there was another one on the tip of my brain that was like another really good example oh well it's part of why i like andor so much um because uh like rogue one the characters are very gray like there's so many rebels or people who would be on the rebel side who do some really questionable moral things you know for the greater good and then there's certain imperials who are not really bad people like pure evil they just happen to be imperials you know what i mean and so that grayness that andor has it oh, it's, it's amazing because it's like the only star wars property where some of the individual imperials are better people than individual rebels it's just rebels are i guess fighting for the cause you know what i mean yeah, and I remember they were kind of touting that's what Rogue One was going to be. It was going to make you question your side. But it, it never really came across, right? It is that. And Andor is an extension of that. Yeah, they, they tried. And, and we'll definitely discuss when we get into Rogue One. But I feel like so much of that movie just feels like fake. Like nothing feels... Like it kind of feels like I'm watching a script on screen that I can't take seriously as a real movie. Oh. But it's, it's hard to explain without going into the details, but... So I feel like those elements are there. It's just none of it really works for me, at least. Rogue One. And now with the series, uh, Diego Luna, his character, well, obviously Cassian. Oh man, he is now one of my all-time favorite Star Wars characters in that universe. He's hmm. he's so fucking complex and like he's he's like 
I don't know what he is. Uh, he's something else. Yeah, I'm definitely going to try to finish it before we get to uh, Rogue One, whenever that's going to be. So, oh, now I'm just thinking about Planet of the Apes. i got to go back and watch that again. Did you hear that they're, uh, yes. they finally announced the next one? Yes. Yeah, I'm pumped about that. It's funny. That's another f- franchise that I love top and bottom. Although, fuck. Fuck the last movie of the original run. But um, <laughs> yeah, I love the franchise overall. <laughs> um, and yet, I don't. None of the movies are really that renowned, or I don't even think they're that amazing, except for the first one. Even though I'm just a huge fan of the whole entire franchise. Yeah, and I do love that uh, the fourth one, uh, Conquest. I think that's a great movie too, an undersold uh, gem. That's the one with Ricardo Montalban, or the, that's the one. Like we're in the future city. Yep, future city. Yeah. yeah, that one. That one's really good. That one's in a in a seventies kind of way. That one's really good. Yeah, I was like that one. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's my next favorite, I guess, of the originals. Yeah, and I like Escape too, <laughs> even though it's not a great movie. I enjoy that a lot. And I like the second and third of the modern trilogy. Um, yeah. But still, they're not like must see. Like, run out and go watch this. It's just like fun i guess i don't know if that's the right term yeah and what's what's almost too bad for those two just because most people only watch it once i feel like both two and three get much better the more you watch them more you spend time with them especially that third one. Oh, i have i haven't done that actually because i i was that person who just like oh that was good and just haven't really rewatched. yeah i just i've got such a i love that franchise so i try to go through it like maybe every two years or so pop them on Whenever I get sick, that's my go-to thing to watch. And I do like the look and everything of the Burton one. And Oh, yeah. I wonder if he ever intended to, if there to even be a sequel to that, or if he intended it just to be a one-off as it is. I have no idea. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I remember there was like a, a young adult string of novels based on that, that movie. I would always see them in the bookstore, and I was like, oh my god, like, wow. <laughs> Like, I would not want to continue uh, that series at all. Like, geez. have to be an author hired to work on that. I don't know what I think about it now, but at the time, I thought the the 90s or 2000, I guess it's 90s, Lost in Space, I actually thought it was all right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't really remember it too well, but I remember liking that too. Who was the guy in it? Uh, I, don't, I can't remember. Was it William Hurt? William Hurt. There you go. Yeah. And I really liked the first season of the Netflix show. Like, it got better as the season went on. Yeah. But for some reason, I've never been compelled to pick up season two. And it's just sat there. And I'm just not motivated. I don't know why. Yeah, season two remains good. Season three, it kind of got a little wonky. But but it was worth it. It's just like a fun little short series going through that. It's good for what it is. It's weird to think that the whole run of that series is like one run of... One season of uh, Star Trek The Next Generation. It's like almost as long as that, pretty much, just the whole show. <laughs> it's weird to think. Why, out of my podcasting friends or, or podcasting associates, why am I the only person who's in, especially those who are my age, why am I the only person who's into Cobra Kai? Nobody I know who's into podcasting gives a shit about Cobra Kai. Um, now, everyday regular people, like random people at work, everyday Joes, they all like Cobra Kai, but we don't have similar interests when it comes to movies, me and those folks. 
Yeah, I'll say for me at least, I used to really love the Karate Kid. Um, I would watch the first two over and over again when I was young. And But, I don't know, I went back maybe 10 years ago and watched it through again. And I just had less connection. I still like that first movie, but it's like, oh, I don't really care what happens after that. I feel like the first movie is good enough. And so I've, even though I do want to watch that series one day, it's just nowhere near my priority list, because it's kind of oh, like, yeah. Like, I just don't care about that franchise all that much. I always thought three, well, obviously it's the weakest in the trilogy. But I used to rarely, if ever, want to rewatch it. I have like a whole new appreciation for that movie now. And it's really because of Cobra mm. Kai. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. And now, at least in my mind, it's a legitimate trilogy. It really is. Um, all three of them. And the other thing I didn't realize until I was rewatching the Karate Kid movies in the last few years, like, I never realized how much the way I dressed in the late 80s was influenced by um, Daniel LaRusso. Like, <laughs> it's not like I was in the late 80s like consciously hey i want to dress like the karate kid like that i never had that thought but when i was going back and watching the movies and i saw pictures of myself from the late 80s i realized that i dressed just like daniel larusso in the first two movies um and so yeah oh wow that's interesting <laughs> yeah i kind of resembled him well there like, you go when i when i was like well, I mean, if you looked at how I was dressed and my physique and everything, I kind of looked like him when I was, like, 8th, ninth grade. That's how I looked. But it was subconscious. I wasn't trying to emulate him. It's just... I dressed just like him, though. Yeah, that's fair. And I, he was he was a good-looking kid, you know? So had some uh, some charm to him, so I could see why I'd want to jump onto him. Oh. He definitely has that youth gene. He still has it now. It's just by design in the in the newer in Cobra Kai, he's such a fucking asshole all the time. Um, because the show is a redemption for it's a redemption for Johnny. Oh, really? Johnny is the coolest character by far in Cobra Kai, uh, and there's many cool characters, huh. but Johnny's super cool. And then the lead kid or teenager, he's the one who's eventually supposed to be. What is the DC character called? Blue Beetle. Is that what he's called? Uh, yeah, there's a blue beetle. Yep. So the, the guy who's eventually, if they ever make that DC movie, the guy who was cast as blue beetle uh, is like the main teenager in the show. And he'll be fantastic if they ever make that movie. Because I never know what the fuck DC <laughs> is doing over there. Yeah, who can tell? Real strange. Real strange.